0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by m Prize Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of 3Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all the things going down in Manhattan. The latest news, top stories, and insider perspectives to keep you in the know. Make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss anything. 3Maw is proudly presented by Holiday Distillery and their vast assortment of spirits. And now, the latest episode of 3Maw. Hello and
1: welcome to another 3Maw. I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck and Derek Young. Feels like it's been a very long time since I have said that. We are all three back together and ready to to do some shows. And uh, I was about to say, like, talk about... Football that's coming up on the field, but that's not what this will be. This is your conference realignment episode because uh, it has gone crazy. The Big 12 has expanded by four more teams. Eight teams have been added since Texas and Oklahoma left. So we will get you recapped on uh, welcoming the four-corner schools, the saga, what it means for K-State, and uh, all things conference realignment here on this pod. But as you know, uh, our friends at Holiday Distillery make this happen each and every week. We appreciate them, whether it is the 360 Vodka or the Ben Holiday Bottled and bond Bourbon that you prefer. Make sure you go out and get stocked up. There's still plenty of lake time, although apparently not for us because Cole has still not extended an invite uh, for us to come to the lake. But if you are fortunate enough to have a friend with a boat, uh, make sure that you bring the Ben Holiday Bottled in Bond Bourbon or the 360 Vodka uh, on your way out there. You can also just stockpile some of that for tailgate season. We are a month away, people, a month away from you needing that. It is never too early to go out and get it. So support Holiday Distillery, Great K State folks who support us here on the pod. Okay. Okay. D.Y. and Cole, we are back. Um, Cole, why haven't we gotten that invite to the uh, to the lake house yet? Well, I've been to the lake twice this
2: summer. Twice. Memorial Day weekend and Fourth of July weekend. I have not been back since. Uh, we will see if we can get some time scheduled, but I do want to make it clear. It's not like I'm out there partaking and enjoying the lake all that much either. So uh, it's uh, it's been kind of a rough summer trying to get the schedules lined up to get out there. We'll, we'll see if we can make it work.
1: So...
3: I <laughs> am,
4: I
1: am. how do you feel about that explanation do does that suffice
4: uh no no but it's a foregone conclusion that we're probably too far no 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 we're not no i i am a season for me from a work standpoint to be able to get out there so
2: no thanks, thanks i that. i am committed to continued good faith negotiation with you guys and an effort to find a resolution that's mutually agreeable
1: on a date that we can Sorry. We that like, that sounds like some corporate community. <laughs> right there. I swear, if I, that is corporate comms talk, if I've ever heard it. And I, I don't,
2: I, I don't. Hey, hey, I'm just glad, I'm just glad we're all together again. I think we had, a, I think we probably had like 12 or 13 straight shows, which we had a guest on. And uh, I'm excited that we get to have some fun bantering back and forth. I love having guests on. I know you guys do too. But now we're, uh, we're here in August. We are less than a month from football season and the preview stuff starts coming and and stupid things that I say and us that we say, you know, like college football runs through Manhattan, you know, stuff like that's going to start popping out of our mouths here in the near future. So speaking of which, if you're interested in a college football runs through Manhattan, three mall T-shirt, please tweet or reply on Twitter to John Kurtz, Derek or myself. Uh. My my Twitter handle is Cole underscore Manbeck. We tweeted a new three mall clothing line that may potentially launch a couple T-shirt options. So I,
1: I don't know if I call it a clothing <laughs> <art>. <laughs> This is not like Blink Yaga or something. I, I, it's a it's a it's a shirt. <laughs> we've got yeah. So you know we've got some exciting stuff coming. Uh, stay tuned for that. If you've been following Cole on Twitter, I think it's it's pretty easy to figure out some of those things. So we're gonna try and make uh, the experience even. Bigger and better for you uh, this year here on the pod. The Big 12 is also getting bigger and better in uh, 2024. Man, I, I tell you what, it is—it is crazy to like be here actually talking about it happening because I mean, for me, I was so down in the weeds with it. Obviously, those of you who follow me on YouTube are, are aware of that. I mean, I was so in the weeds on realignment for so long, and it felt like this opening was going to be there uh, for the four corner schools to come to the pack or come to the Big 12. Um, In Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State and Utah. But it it was a long process. It was such an interesting case study in how we consume media and how there are two distinctly different sides to this and sources, quote unquote, on both sides that are clearly working angles through the media. I mean, it was just it was a battle. It turned into a battle between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and when the dust settled. Um, the Pac-12 exploded, also in large part because of the Big Ten swooping in at the last minute and deciding to pick up Oregon and Washington. So there's been some debate over how much of a linchpin that actually was at the end. I personally think, based on the reporting of Jason Shearer, who's been great throughout all of this and covered Arizona, that Arizona was probably going to leave no matter what. And the other scenario for the Big 12 was to just have Colorado and Arizona, and then the Pac-8 or whatever maybe sticks together and add some teams. But either way, it worked out with the Pac-12 blowing up and uh, the Big 12 pulling in four schools. So before we get to some of the other reaction, because I've been a little annoyed by the national reaction to all of this, well, the Big 12 celebrates a win. Let's celebrate that win. I mean, this is this is huge for a conference that has lost six teams throughout its history. Always been the one to be picked over. Always been the one to be reactive instead of proactive. And Brent Yormark turned that ship around, man, and uh, absolutely
4: killed it here. I would agree. <clears throat> And there was probably different times. I wonder how, like, um, realistic or, or likely that it was, just because some of those, you know, Western schools were so adamant about, you know, not necessarily jumping ship. Um, even some, even a few that that did jump ship. Like we we heard, you know, on the the tweet from the Utah athletic director was pretty, you know, uh, which one definitive? Yeah. <laughs> So pretty definitive in terms of, of not joining the big 12. And then obviously th- they did too. Um, even if they had to kind of come in kicking and screaming a little bit, not as much as Arizona state. So for me, it was kind of what you alluded to kind of the journey that we had to kind of go through and sift through and kind of stomach uh, before the, what I think was probably going to be the conclusion all along got here. So yeah, um, yeah I, I guess the Big 12 had to exercise a lot of patience and the Pac-12 to an extent sands Arizona kind of had to come in kicking and screaming but everyone everything happened what we expected to happen um if you don't work for the athletic
2: yeah I mean, I'm just ecstatic with the additions that are made and it feels great you know I covered I, I was on the beat back when realignment really started covering Kansas State and the Big 12 back in 2010 when the uh, Oklahoma-Texas Rivers to the Pac-12, it started, Missouri-Nebraska leaving, etc. And it was a it was a terrible feeling, to be honest. You know, even covering the team, but as a K-State fan and talking to folks, it was dejecting to think about where Kansas State could end up in the landscape of college athletics. And then you get through that, you survive, and then you had it come up again when Oklahoma and Texas left. It sucked. And, you know, now you're the aggressor and you're out there able to land these schools and you're in a position of power to where – you know, the Big 12, they're, they're not going to be at the Big Ten or SEC's level, but the whole goal at this point is to become that third conference, or at the very least, survive. Well, look, it sucks for the Pac 12. I get it that they're essentially now gone, but you had to eliminate one of those power conferences if you're going to be able to survive as well. And now the Pac 12 is essentially dead and the Big 12 is on stable footing and, and adds some some really good brands, actually. You know, the BYU ad last year, that's a national brand. That's a big time ad. Um, and then, you know, also Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. I mean, people got to remember Utah. Since two thousand fourteen in the Pac twelve, has the second highest winning percentage uh, overall, and it's just a one percent behind Oregon. Utah is seventy five and thirty five for a sixty eight percent winning percentage since two thousand fourteen. Oregon is seventy four and thirty four at sixty nine percent winning percentage. They're better. They've been better than USC, UCLA, Washington. All those other power Pac 12 type programs uh, with tradition, Utah has been at the forefront of that. So that's a big time add to the conference from a football competitive standpoint, big time brand in foot college football right now with the success they've had under Kyle Whittingham. And then Arizona, Arizona State, you capture some markets. You know, the Big 12 now has eight of the top 40 TV markets. They have geographic footprints in those markets um, from a TV standpoint, you know, and, and three in the top 11. And you add the Denver market, you've got Orlando now, you've got Houston. BYU, as I mentioned, is a national brand. Salt Lake City is 29th in the country, uh, I believe. Or, or I'm sorry, they're actually, I have it in my notes here, they're 29th in the country and branding Denver is 16. So yeah, some of those schools may not be the focus point of a lot of those cities, but, but you are getting TV sets by capturing some of those footprints. So I just love the additions and, and love what Brett Yormark has done.
4: You also capture some new rivalries that you can put in place of a few that you do lose. Like, you're going to lose Bedlam, but BYU-Utah probably draws in more TV sets anyway than what Bedlam would.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably debatable, but it's a great rivalry. I mean, point taken, it's a, it's a great rivalry. Arizona-Arizona uh, State is also a fun one. I know, like, Arizona-Texas Tech kind of had one back in the day. Um, so there will be some that I think get rekindled there. And, Cole, I think you hit on something – that is important there because so much of the national discourse here has been about, you know, consolidation. That's the word that's being used by a lot of people now, as opposed to realignment, consolidation, what's going on. You're, you're just consolidating the biggest brands in college football and how much that hurts the sport. And I totally agree. I mean, I 100% agree. I I think the annoying part has been like, Hey, this, this has been going on for a long time. Like we, we basically had this moment two years ago and it was the big 12 and we didn't see, a bunch of sad, somber soliloquies out there from every national media member about how gross and disgusting this is and how sad they are for the Big 12. Uh, so I agree that it's a it's a bad thing, but the Big 12 for once is getting a W and now it's just shrouded in everybody crying about what's happening to the game, which is a little bit annoying. But when we talk about the fact that, Cole, you mentioned, hey, one of these conferences was probably going to have to go away. I mean, we are headed toward, obviously, a Big 2 world and then probably, like, one other conference to be the one to take in everybody else. And you look at the landscape of the ACC right now, Florida State seems hellbent on doing whatever it is that they can to just leave and figure it out, even though they're locked in supposedly to a grant of rights until 2036 right now. But you could be picking up sort of the best of the rest from the ACC when when that thing explodes. And I think the big key here, if we want to talk about why the Big 12 outlasted the Pac-12 and why it's the Big 12 that seems best positioned right now to be that third league. It is in large part because... Brett Yormark realized that this was about survival as opposed to legitimately closing the gap right away on the Big Ten of the SEC. And I think that was the problem. George Kleevkov from reporting that we've seen now, clearly commissioner of the Pac-12, um, wanted to, he thought that they would be able to legitimately close the gap on the Big Ten of the SEC, which was dumb. I mean, there's no other way to say it. But the reports are now that he and John Wilner even had confirmed this, who's a, a Pac-12 reporter, that George Kleevkov was asking for $500 million at of- first. Which is $50 million per team. Big 12 wound up with 31.7, you know, and you had pretty similar leagues there. That was a ridiculous number and set the expectation bar way too high. And in the end, the deal that they got was going to be a base of $23 to $25 million, depending on who it is that you believe uh, from Apple. So you can just see it. that that was the wrong tone to set. He went out publicly and said multiple times, we will catch the Big 10 of the SEC financially eventually, which was a horrendously dumb thing to say. Um, meanwhile, Brett Yormark realized, like, hey, we've got to survive. So I'm going to go in and take this TV deal from Fox and ESPN that was, by the way, offered to the Pac-12 and they turned down. And when Yormark jumped in front of them by taking that, he locked in the stability, locked in the exposure with still the linear partners that matter right now, ESPN and Fox, and left the Pac-12 to flounder around and try and get some streaming deal and and kick around and wait for it. Another big factor: the economics of of what's going on with live sports really hurt the Pac-12 too because people are being much more discerning with their spending. So that's a long way to say. I think one of the most insightful things Brett Yormark did throughout this whole process was just bring the right approach, which is you got to make sure that you position yourself as the the third best conference, and then maybe you can start to try and figure out some ways you can close the gap, which I think for Yormark is going to be decoupling the basketball rights from football and trying to add more basketball powerhouses if he can as basketball-only members, to uh, make some extra money there. But first, you had to ensure that you would be the conference best position to be number three behind the Big Ten and the SEC.
4: And the, an argument that I would make would be that the first step was probably to add those other four schools, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU, and that was uh, Bolesby, so he probably did the most immediate step first that had to be done in terms of instant survival, and then Bray or Mark took care of the rest. That's probably how I would characterize it because I don't think that you – are appealing enough to television partners without immediately grabbing those four schools when when he did so at the time, Bullsby, uh you had again like an, an outlet like the Athletics saying that the AAC was more likely to pluck from the Big 12 than vice versa, if you remember that.
1: So. Yeah, and, and DY, let me I'm I'm curious your opinion on this because I want to interject on that because I have seen a little bit. It's not much. I think most people by now have come around to the fact that like Brent Yark's a freaking stud. And it's doing a lot of really good things for the conference. It wasn't your mark that that added those four. You're right. It was Bob Bolsby. But I have seen this this thought that like, man, well, if only you didn't have the dead weight of Houston and UCF or Cincinnati and UCF. It seems like basically those outside of BYU, the other three you'll get totally different opinions from people on which two are the dead weight. And to me, there's just not really a discernible difference between all three in terms of what, I think there's a sound argument for any of them. And the point is you needed strength in numbers at that point when you were down to eight and they were so similar and all brought big markets. You needed a strength in numbers sort of play right there to just get yourself in position to be able to do this. So I hate that talking point. It annoys the living shit out of me when I hear people say that. Like, oh, if we only didn't have UCF or Houston or whoever to add to the conference now. No, you needed them. They were a necessity to get here. So you may not think that they're the best long-term thing in the world, but you needed them to get here with this conference. So I, I hate that complaint about it that I hear sometimes.
4: I would agree. And if you didn't, you might be looking at the Pac-12, Big 12, as fates right now would maybe be flipped. Because one, if you don't, you're probably not as an attractive television partner. And two, you, you still leave yourself exposed to the rest. Of the college football world, who is kind of preying on teams right now and trying to expand? And three, even if you hadn't, let's say you only <clears throat> went to ten, and then you got those four schools: Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. Your mark probably would have taken the two that you did, that they hadn't taken before anyway, and we'd still be at sixteen with the same group of teams, in my opinion. So that's the way that I would see it. But and again, it, it's I don't want to say it's like the underdog story, but I mean, just two years ago. And when it comes to the inconsistency in reporting from you know a lot of the media that covered this. Everyone was running Big Twelves, the Big 12's funeral, right? They weren't saying, "Oh, this is bad for college football," or "This is gross. This is despicable." They were saying, "All oh, this is awesome. We're going to see Texas and Oklahoma play some great teams now instead of you know what the leftovers in the Big Twelve had." And now the Big Twelve might get picked apart by the AAC. I remember how you know crazy the reporting was at the time, and even now they're saying. Oh, this is bad for God football. Thanks, Big Twelve, for being so predatory or whatever. When depending on when well, who do you believe, maybe the those other schools don't come if if Big Ten doesn't add Oregon or Washington. Or looked at another way, is was the Big Twelve ever being predatory? Like you said, this was all about survival when it comes to the Big Twelve. It wasn't necessarily about greed. If there was anybody being predatory at the time. It was the SEC when he took Texas and Oklahoma their television deal was going to explode no matter what it's not like they needed texas or oklahoma to survive the big 10 didn't need usc ucla oregon and washington to survive
1: and and speaking of speaking of annoying as as shit Greg sankey has spoken up a couple times now being like you know trying to be like oh we've got it you know there's greed and craziness going on eli drinkwitz has been the voice of reason on that which I get it. We kind of need people like him to say those things, but like, it's just, I mean, Mizzou left and, you know, kind of helped start this thing um, and went to the sec. So it's just like, I don't want to hear any of that from the sec. They're taking this like high and mighty position right now. Like, Oh, we don't need to expand. Sankey said that on fine mom yesterday. Oh, we don't need to expand. We're not going to be greedy and go do these things. Like spare me. Like you guys, we know, we know your role at all of this and you kicked off two years ago these this next huge round of realignment and left the conference on its deathbed and didn't care at all. So, yeah, I mean, so much of the national narrative is, is very annoying. We'll let Cole uh, give his thoughts on that in just a moment. But um, we do need to take a second to thank Home Field Apparel. They are the best at producing collegiate apparel these days. I love it. I've got a ton of K-State Home Field shirts. They just had a new drop a couple of months ago. Now we're getting a new one coming up this weekend. So that is always reason to be excited Uh, I love the vintage Copper Bowl Champions long-sleeve black shirt that they put out with the last drop. That is my personal favorite, but they've got all sorts of good stuff, retro logos. Uh, It's the vintage vintage stuff that they're going for here, which is in right now. It is what the kids are doing. So we're trying to help you out, not only get really comfortable gray gear, but also make you popular. Get you up with the times, all right? That's what you need to do. Get your home field apparel. It's homefieldapparel.com, and I mentioned that they have that new drop coming up this weekend. That new home field drop of K-State gear will actually be available in store at Rally Houses in the Kansas City area this weekend. So you can get it online, and we're going to give you a promo code for that in just a moment. But if you are in the Kansas City area, you can stop by Rally House this weekend as well. Get your new K-State gear from Home Field Apparel. I know one of the shirts that I saw is the Catscript basketball logo, which I like a lot, and I'm going to be very interested in uh, procuring one of those shirts. But if you're online, if you've never bought from Home Field Apparel before, 3 mod 23 with an exclamation mark is the promo code to get 15% off. Again, 3 ma 23 exclamation mark gets you 15% off if you have not bought Home Field Apparel before. So get to homefieldapparel.com, get your K-State gear, or if you prefer one of the other 100 plus schools that they have on the website and uh, be looking good this fall when you're out of Bill Snyder Family Stadium.
0: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store, or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
3: What's good, everybody? It is Ben Heisler from Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And if you are ready to go the distance and improve your golf game like I am in the process of doing, I want you to head on over to PXG right here in Kansas City and take the PXG Gen 6 Driver Challenge. They are confident in the Gen 6 that they're putting their money where their mouth is. If their Gen 6 driver does not deliver more distance, more carry and roll, higher dispersion compared to your current driver when you go in for a fitting, they got you covered with a $100 MasterCard reward card. That's it. Go in for a driver fitting. See if your driver is up to their driver. And if it is, you get a $100 MasterCard reward card in the process. This is an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade your game with a custom fit PXG fitting. I've had it at the Kansas City store with Alex. It was one of the great experiences I've had in a golf fitting period. So, take the PXG Gen 6 driver all throughout the month of August and get ready to hit those fairways with confidence. So visit your local Kansas City store or head on over to PXG.com for all the terms and conditions. PXG Nobody makes golf clubs the way we do,
1: period. Okay, Cole, your thoughts on how the national media has uh, has handled all of this, uh, with the, the death of the Pac-12 and crying about the loss of 100 years of tradition and ignoring the fact that the Big 8, which formed most of the Big 12, went back about that far too. So, your thoughts. Well, first of all,
2: I gag at everything that Greg Sankey says. I, I find him to be one of the most hypocritical people that you'll ever see i mean they they started all of this and he just he reeks of arrogance and the media yesterday just talking about his comments on feinbaum and like a lot of them were agreeing with him and it was <laughs> i mean do you guys not not see what he's doing here like Greg sinkey will go he, he, he's criticized brett yormark without saying his name previously about how you know your mark is out there beating his chest, talking publicly about, you know, being open about realignment. And, and Sankey was saying, you know, and I'm not quoting him directly, but he was essentially saying, you know, I prefer to, you know, do this behind the scenes. Yeah. In other words, you prefer to stab people in the back yeah. and be a
1: snake. freaking snake about it.
2: Yeah. Nobody knows what's going on, so you're just a snake in the grass weeding around, and then you come up and attack, and at least your mark is pretty open about what they were looking to do, and it was about survival. The Big 12 got put in this
1: position. This wasn't what the Big 12 necessarily wanted to do. And not only that, Cole, who put the Big 12 in this position? Yep. Yeah, Put them in this position. Greg freaking Sankey put them in this position.
2: Yeah, and that's where it just just becomes very frustrating because you have people from schools that started all of this also speaking up. And I know Eli Drinkowitz was not the football coach at uh, Missouri when this all happened. And I I can appreciate what Eli Drinkowitz said and his comments about realignment and how it doesn't feel great. But if you remember just a couple years ago, Drinkowitz was beating his chest with arrogance when... Well, why wouldn't you want to come to the SEC when Oklahoma and Texas were rumored? Remember, remember? Like he was out there really talking a big game about that. He didn't say, like, hey, this this sucks for college football. They were adding Oklahoma and Texas. He said, well, everybody should want to be in the SEC and was really, you know, kind of arrogant about that. And, and just if you're a representative of a school like that, that really started and kicked off all of this over a decade ago, you just need to shut up and not talk about it. All right. Because It becomes across as hypocritical and it just reeks of arrogance. And so, you know, on a national media front, you know, you should have recognized back in 2010, 2011 that this was a problem and that this what this was going to do to the sport and everything that it kicked off. But you didn't really see a lot of that at the time. And over the last several years, you know, like you guys have all openly talked about, you know, celebrating on the Big 12's grave so to speak, at what's going to happen. And, you know, a lot of it's the athletic reporters, honestly, that have done it. You know, you've got Stuart Mandel, but you've got also Nicole Auerbach and and others who have just, you know, openly went after it. Ari Wasserman, you know, just this last week. I know D.Y. got all fired up about some of his tweets about where how, how bad this is for college football. So, you know, those guys can, can just shut up. You know, th- this it's great for the Big 12. I don't care what they think. It sucks for college football and college sports overall that this had to happen. If I were to bet, I'll go on the record right now that in the next 10 to 15 years, college athletics is going to reset itself a little bit. And so I think some of the TV money will eventually dry up a little bit. And I would not be surprised if we're looking into a globe, into the 15-year future, that conferences get more back to their geographic footprint where some some real leaders get in the room and eventually say what are we doing here you know why why do we have these conferences that span coast to coast the tv money is no longer worth it it dries up a little bit as people change go more to streaming etc and travel costs are astronomical etc and they get back to the natural rivalries and the geographic footprint that conferences were meant to be and that's not that's not me criticizing the big 12 that you got to do what you got to do right now that's just I think that's something that could very well happen in the future.
4: I, I think it'll happen, and I think it's probably part of the plan. I, th- I think they're, you know, they use the word consolidation, right? I think they're consolidating the, the brands and schools that they want in that next world. And once they get all the ones that they want in the next world is when they'll probably have a geographical break of sorts when, once those are, are established. And, but that may be only the case for the sports outside of football i do think that is a necess- it's a necessity right now i don't know how soon it's going to happen it's a necessity right now that they do need to break football from the rest of the sports they it's impossible to govern the rest of the sports the way you govern football anymore it's not tenable um because football can afford to travel and do all of these things especially since they have less trips the other sports cannot
1: that's I was going to say the same thing, D-Y. I think there there seems to be listening to the national media right now. There seems to be some real momentum for for that, at least a push for that to happen eventually. That separate football, make it its own deal. You know, I've even heard talk of like separating the athletic departments from the university, so it's like the athletic department operates on its own. Um, I mean, Florida State seems to be trying to go that way with like private equity, like talking to J. P. Morgan about raising the five hundred million dollars or whatever the hell it's going to be for them to get out of the ACC.
4: You know what that's gonna be. It's gonna be probably what'll go in place is the collective. That's and that could be the, the new football governing body for for school, I think.
1: Oh, like NIL collective? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think we are we are definitely headed towards some change based on how many people are starting to speak out about this now. But how long will that take? Who knows? What will be the collateral damage along the way? Like, you know, when we get there. Does Oregon State get back in somehow? Or are they just permanently screwed? Like, you know, I mean, and and obviously in a position like K-State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, a lot of these schools, you've got to still be a little bit nervous about that in the back of your mind and into where all of this is going long term. You're in a much better position right now with where the Big 12 is at. But, yeah, I think if we get more regionality, it's going to be what, like, Eli Drinkwitz is talking about, which is he was talking about the non-revenue sports. that, And it is tough. Like, I get it. So I've traveled with K-State baseball many times uh throughout my broadcasting career and it's tough like you're flying commercial you're leaving right after a game on sunday and you're by the time that bus rolls back into manhattan i mean it's like two three in the morning and then those guys have to go to class the next day so it is really tough and that's where the travel gets pretty stupid and the other thing that's going to start happening to is like tv money will start drying up and people will look around and be like all right well then maybe we should start like actually cutting costs i guess if we can't make more money so how can we cut costs? Well, we can stop sending the softball team uh, three quarters of the way across the country for five-hour chartered flights. Like, and and then you'll get back to like more regionalized non-revenue sports. I think that's probably the path back there. But you know, Cole, when you say, hey, some of the leaders are going to start getting together. A uh, part of my concern is like, you know, the guy who everybody thinks should be the czar of everything right now is Greg Sankey. Yeah. So like, I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, Dennis Dodd. I'm pretty sure just like built a monument to him in a closet last night, judging by the tweets that were coming out about what Sankey was doing. Uh So I just, I don't know. That makes me obviously very nervous. I don't trust him. And the other thing, D.Y., that's going to be an important piece of this and then coming up is how they're going to do the playoff. Because now with a, a conference folding, there's a lot of talk about adjusting how it will work with the automatic qualifiers in the playoff because you have lost one of these quote-unquote Power 5 conferences. And one of the things that has been floated, I know... um Heather Dinich at ESPN floated the idea of just, hey, take the 12 best teams, just all at large, maybe in the playoff. And that, of course, would be what the Big Ten and the SEC would want. That would not be good news for anybody else. And so it's like those type of decisions that that you still worry about down the line.
4: And that was probably floated by a Big Ten or an SEC representative, of course. But at the end of the day, that's, that's not going to pass muster. And they'll probably not do that just to avoid antitrust litigation, stuff like that, because That's where you do start to exclude yourselves from the majority and you can get yourself into some legal trouble by doing so. So I think you'll probably see a change, but I think, you know, to keep them, you know, above water, I would imagine it's instead of six auto bids, it becomes five and then seven at large. I think that's just a tiny modification there is what I expect, but something I wanted to dig into a little bit. I think is the next, I wouldn't say call it an evolution of college sports, but the next, you know, adventure that we're going to be on is, you know, everything always happens around the end or beginning of new television contracts. That's when you always have a seismic shift because a lot of these leagues come up around the same time or one after another um, in consecutive years. And we're going to see that, you know, again, here in six to seven years, we have the big 12, big 10 and sec come up what's going to be interesting because i don't think it's going to be the case anymore you know since that oklahoma supreme court deal you know that would became the boom for television money for all these schools to start making a bunch of television money and it's increased exponentially ever since every single year and with every single television contract i'm not sure that's going to be the case when these conferences go back up for grabs here in six or seven years when they try to sign another television contract it's either going to be Similar, or does it even decrease a little bit? And if it decreases a little bit, you're going to have a lot of pissed off schools all of a sudden that have budgeted for for an increase. And with more schools, the decrease would even be more drastic. So that's the next journey that we're all going to go on when it comes to college sports. Can you two have both alluded to it, and it's perfectly correct? Is the television money is drying up? I think everyone operated in college athletics for some reason as if it was just going to you know, eternally just keep increasing, like there was no glass ceiling for it. Well, there is, and we're almost there.
1: Well, the the other part with that, too, that's an X factor in it and and makes it fascinating as to how all that will play out is that one thing I will say about this Pac-12 deal, you know, they were probably one cycle ahead of what this is going to look like eventually, but that Pac-12-Apple deal may be what the next one, like, it might be Apple and Amazon next time around being the two big players instead of Fox and ESPN. I mean, we'll see. ESPN kind of struggling, and there's talk of, like, Apple buying out ESPN. So, like, it could be it could be an Apple-Amazon thing versus Fox-ESPN. Maybe that's getting a little too out ahead of our skis when we talk about that, but it just – it will likely look a lot different. And And another thing, too, to keep in mind that I will really be paying attention to and how this goes – we know how it's gone for basically every team that has gone to "quote unquote" greener pastures in one of these realignment moves. Which, you know, I'm, I'm abstaining like the Big Twelve incumbents from that, at least the four corner schools, because they were kind of forced here by the Pac-12 implosion. But the Texas A&M, Colorado, Nebraska, uh, those schools of the world, it's not really, none of them have been happy with it. It's not really worked out for them because you go into these leagues where now you're dealing with bigger brands theoretically i mean nebraska plays a crappy schedule every year and sucks anyway but you you theoretically are playing better brands and you're going to get beat up a little bit so like for instance oklahoma you know if oklahoma five years down the line is going eight and four every year what's how happy are they going to be with that scenario or like auburn you know a program like that in the sec with adding oklahoma and texas now making it more tough if they're going six and six, seven and five every year and just going crazy with firing coaches and buyouts. I mean, you're gonna have a lot of programs in those sorts of positions. Look at the Big Ten. You're gonna have Oregon, Washington, USC, uh, and then Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin. You know what I mean? How many of these schools and big what we perceive to be big brands right now are going to take hits because they're not winning that many games anymore because their leagues are so difficult. So I don't and what challenges will that bring on with all those schools trying to figure stuff out? I, I just think there probably are more evolutions to come on down.
4: Yeah. Before, cool. You're talking about maybe your brand diminishing, and I think that's a very real thing to be aware of if you're those schools because Nebraska isn't the Nebraska that it once was. That that brand is diminished. So oh, if you're Oklahoma, do you go to the SEC and see your brand diminish? And how valuable are you in several years when – you're you know something happens and you have to make a decision and, and maybe you're not as a, a valuable or as much of a commodity as you want to work and, and the second thing before i get to cool is one thing i've I've always asked and i guess i've never gotten a real question or a real answer to this because i don't think people have a good one is why does it matter how how does being rich like in the case of nebraska texas a&m all these schools move why does getting more money matter if you never went? yeah
2: you you hit on exactly what I was going to talk about, dy. Because like fans like to beat their chests, some um, on social media, like oh we're we're cashing these huge checks. Well, you're not seeing the money. Like why do you care necessarily? You you want to be a fan and watch your team win and enjoy those game day experiences of watching the success on the field or on the court, and you don't get to experience that if you're in Nebraska or Missouri right now. Really, you're you're not winning. So you know at the level that you would expect, and so. That that's a big thing to me the other thing i ask myself is like what what does the money matter like you, you need a certain amount of money right but in the future state of college athletics like you look at the big 10 sec if you're making you know 60 million dollars a year a school and tv money what what do you do with that money because you can only build so many facilities and we're seeing now like I know what they're going to do with it. They're going to give it to the players. That's where we're going. Well, to. that that that's exactly where it's probably going to have to go, right? Because you you don't see teams like you, when you hear schools talk like they've already built the facilities. That's not as important to these kids anymore. These athletic departments are supposed to be non-profit, so they have to give put the money back into something, right? Well, you can't be ballooning coaching salaries much higher than they already are because we're already hearing criticism from players, like if players look at a coach and they see him making $10 million a year, 11 million a year, you know, and then they're not making much, they're getting their NIL money, that becomes problematic. And so as I look into the future, like, all that TV money coming into an athletic department per year, like, you have to invest it into something and, and it's going to probably have to go to NIL, to your point, D-Y. They're going to have to figure out to do some sort of, you know, collective sharing model, you um, know, I'm not thinking of the revenue sharing model. Yeah. Uh, defend
4: them. To defend them, I think that's why a lot of teams are chasing money right now, too, is because they have to have enough money to keep their uh, athletic department running the way that it is now, plus maybe double that, because down the line, are you going to have a 50-50 revenue share? You might. It's going to look like professional sports, at least on the football side. Yeah, that,
2: that's where I see it It probably going and some legislation passing on that front, because as we sit today, it's like, you know case they, they need the the 31.7 million a year to fund the operational stuff but when you get up to like 60 million 70 million I, I i
0: just struggle with that thanks for listening to kc sports network make sure you download our new app find it on the app store or google play just search kc sports
5: network we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
2: that each big 12 school will make substantially more money. Um, you know, and that's based on also adding a few basketball powers in both the West and East coast. Now they've already added Arizona, which is a power. Um, but if they target a couple more, like a Gonzaga Yukon, I think there's a couple other options out there as well. He's emphatic that they would make meaningful increases to the TV contract. And, you know, can they open that contract up early? I don't know for negotiation, but there is there are talks that that could certainly be something that would be financially appealing um, to each Big 12 school and increased revenue. Now, the ACC collapses. You know, one of the schools you don't hear mentioned in realignment out of all those ACC schools is like a Duke. You know, Duke seems to be getting left out of the fold. So would, would they be intriguing to a Brett Yormark to add that type of program if they got left out of the fold and the ACC imploded? You know, that could be another option out there. So, um, just just some thoughts on that front. But yeah, I I, I don't know what they're going to do with basketball only. I just know that he's talked to tvxx and there seems to be money that can be had on that front.
1: Yeah, that, that that's one of the ways to try and squeeze the margins on the Big Ten of the SEC. Like what I was talking about earlier, you had to survive and that was like step one. Now you put yourself in position to survive and, and thrive as the third best conference. Now you try to find, now you can. You've gotten yourself to the point, you pulled yourself up to where you can stand and now be like, all right, so how do we start to try and close this gap a little bit now that it looks like we're going to survive. The best asset I think you have is to not play the same game as the Big Ten of the SEC and be like, look, our biggest advantage is this behemoth basketball conference we have. So yeah, if we can make an extra, uh, you know, five to 10 million, I think is kind of what your mark would envision there per school. I have no idea how realistic that actually is, but I think that's probably like the idea and not just cold sourcing there. I mean, I have had someone tell me that too that that was the idea behind the scenes of what it is that they really would like to do ultimately there that is a way that you can start to utilize what you have and i, I look bray Yormark to me has earned the latitude to go figure some of that stuff out like if he wants to go add gonzaga and yukon and basketball only i don't know man I, he's built up a lot of equity to me with what he has done for this conference i'll give him that shot and and not only that his whole track record i mean, he, transformed nascar he moved the nets from new jersey to brooklyn like this has been a guy that gets big stuff done so yeah i would keep my eye on that too for sure. well what about this thought uh, what about gonzaga uconn and basketball only? then the
2: acc implodes you add duke for all sports and you add a program like louisville for all sports which louisville the yum center if people haven't been there the yum center might be one of the nicest basketball it's a top five arena in the country it's, it's one of the top five largest arenas in the country basketball is a big deal at Louisville. Like, I think about that. Like, Duke, Louisville, Gonzaga, UConn, basketball, you become clearly far and away what the SEC is in football and close the gap financially a bit on those other schools by doing that. And, you know, there's other options out there. They could go hard for Villanova, although I, I've heard Villanova is a little reluctant to leave the Big East um, and where their footprint is there. You could go after Creighton. I've heard there's value in Creighton, which was a bit surprising to me, just given already a large footprint in the Midwest for the big 12, but, um, has some appeal as well, apparently. So just a thought on that, but I I think there's some creative ideas now that you sit at 16 and you're in a position of being stable that you can wait things out and kind of see how things play out and over the landscape over the next couple of years and make a decision on where you want to go.
4: I would be shocked if we're not sitting here in 10 years of, and Louisville and Pittsburgh, Pitt, as the other, yeah, are not a part of the Big 12s. I and mean, maybe ten. I don't think ten's too soon. I know twenty thirty six is kind of like that year for the ACC, but I think that doomsday is probably going to happen sooner.
1: Florida State's going to challenge it. Whatever the fallout from that will be, I, I don't know. They,
4: Florida they may, State, or something. yeah, they may pay their way out. But I mean, there's also some chatter that Florida State doesn't necessarily have an obvious home in the Big Ten or the SEC. Well,
1: uh, Frankie has publicly said, like, we're not, we're not trying to expand and take you. And so, yeah, the Big Ten has been the speculation there. And I guess them getting into Florida, you can see how that might work. But
4: I don't know. There's a lot to play out. I well, guess. The, it, yeah, from an institutional standpoint, you would think Miami would probably have more value to the Big Ten than Florida State, though. I mean, like, Miami,
1: Virginia, North Carolina, those are all going to be really popular. And I do. I don't know, Cole, I wonder a little bit about <clears throat> Duke and the Big Ten just because of, like, the academic reputation and the basketball program, and maybe they want to take some huge basketball program. But I guess the counter to that is as much as Kansas fans would like to hike their skirt up, they have not reciprocated much interest uh, in Kansas right now with the best basketball program in the country. So,
4: And I I know fan support's a little bit different, but there's a reason Stanford's not attractive necessarily right now to
2: yeah, the academic side makes sense, John. On the Duke front, UNC is a, a pretty high-profile academic institution too. So if they got if they got North Carolina, then that would kind of hit that, and they're in the same market, obviously. So you know, do you oversaturate that Raleigh-Durham, you know, Chapel Hill market where they're in the what they call the triangle, which they're all really close to each other? So do you just add one so you capture the TB value there and you, you don't oversaturate? I, I think that's probably what they would do. I only mentioned Duke because. Everything I keep reading, they're going not seem to be coming up.
4: And they, they, they could, they could suffer the same fate as Stanford, technically. Yeah. That's what it really sounds like. But more than anything, the, the two most valuable properties in the ACC that the Big Ten wants is actually not what people would assume. People are probably thinking Florida State, Clemson, Miami. No, the Big Ten wants Virginia and North Carolina.
1: Yeah yep those are definitely very valued assets right now i think north carolina is probably the top of the list like sec and big 10 would definitely both love to have north carolina right now all right we got way into the weeds on this uh realignment discussion but i think it's warranted uh with everything going on right now um so uh hope that that got you all up to speed thank you once again to holiday distillery for all of their work supporting the pod get your ben holiday bottled bond bourbon get your 360 vodka uh, to celebrate the Big 12 expanding. How about that? That was probably the more logical play for me to uh, pump up holiday gear on this pod and uh, get your home field apparel, homefieldapparel.com, Thremont23, exclamation mark, 15% off your entire order for first-time purchasers. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, uh, appreciate you all listening once again today. Great to be back with you two fellas, and uh, we will talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening, to Thremont.
0: Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.